Thanks a lot. Uh, there's been some really neat things happening just over the last week. Um, last weekend, uh, we spent two days out at Jubilee Youth Academy. Uh, love that organization and what they're doing um, uh, just to bring restoration and healing in the lives of hurting young men um, from all over the world. Come here to Jubilee Youth Academy. They have about 33 kids right, right now. And as the school year begins, they'll have about 50. And so we went in last weekend uh, as a church and uh, we, we bought the supplies and brought the manpower uh, and woman power, you know, um, to, uh, to, yeah, to re, I'll be really careful with my language there, um, to rework their, uh, their dorms, their common area, uh, bring it up to par, and, and probably the coolest thing about that is that we got to work alongside them, you know, stand shoulder to shoulder with them with a paintbrush, and, um, and it, it was just a great experience to get to know them. I know a number of us have plans to go back out and, uh, and spend time with different kids uh, that we connected with there, and really excited about that. That was, that was great stuff. And last night, thanks for joining us uh, for a vision gathering as we continue to see God's guidance and vision in this process. Uh, it would be quite easy to think that um, everything is charted out, you know, but there's no, there's no, there's no blueprint, you know, for church planting. There's no uh, cut and paste. It's not that simple. And so thank you for joining us as we continue to seek, hey, where is God active in our community? Where is God inviting us into participation in his mission and, and to help bring help and healing in, in our community? So thank you so much. If you're new to the vine, uh, there's one piece uh, of the vision that, that we just think is incredibly important, um, and, and so we'll talk about it regularly. Um, our passion as this church began was creating a place where people could belong first and foremost. Now, I don't know what your faith experience has been like, but sometimes our religious organizations uh, kind of work in the reverse, um, that you have, to, you have to act like us, you have to behave like us, right? You have to believe like us, and if, if you do, then you can belong in that place. And Though very rarely would we say that, often that's the feeling, that's, you know, the experience of people that come into our faith communities. And so when we began this journey, we said, man, let's create for our community a place of belonging first and foremost. No matter who you are or where you're at in your faith journey, uh, um, you are invited to come here and we will create an environment that you can, you can belong here. You can explore Jesus. Now you'll come to find uh, in, in pretty quickly that we are Jesus people. We'll talk about him every week. We, we, we love Jesus and we're followers of Jesus, and you're invited on that journey to, to come to know Jesus, and we hope that someday you'll believe in him, that you'll put your hope in him, and, uh, and when we put our faith in Jesus, uh, he changes our lives in beautiful ways, and in fact, that flow right there is, uh, is the story of what we'll be looking at today. We'll be in Luke chapter 19. Um, we've, been, we've been studying the gospel of Luke now for some time, and uh, just been amazed by these stories of Jesus, the, the way he interacted with people, the people that he chose to interact with. With. Uh, Jesus was, was um, seen as a, as a great prophet. He was seen as a healer. Uh, he, he performed miracles. And, and throughout the Israelite world, uh, they, they saw this man is someone special. And so as he traveled, thousands of people would follow him. They would fight just to get into the inner circle and hear what he said. They would fill houses so full that people are overflowing and people are cutting holes in roofs to be lowered down to Jesus because he had such an impact. And as we were in uh, Luke chapter 10, uh, we found um, this moment where Jesus asked his followers, so who do people say I am? And they said, oh, you're a prophet and this and that. That's what, that's what people think of you. He asked them, but who do you say I am? And, uh, and, and Peter was the one to respond, saying, you are the Messiah. You are the Savior. You are the Son of God. And in that moment, uh, Jesus' ministry uh, begins to accelerate. 
towards Jerusalem and towards the cross. We're in Luke chapter 19 now, um, where the final story before um, we begin what's known as the final week of Jesus' life as he enters Jerusalem, the triumphal entry. We'll be looking at that soon. Um, but right now we're, we're hearing the last story that Luke chose to place in his gospel, in his telling of, of, of this man, Jesus. And, uh, and it's a story of Zacchaeus. If you grew up in a church, you sang a song about a wee little man and a wee little man was he, right? So, so some of us are familiar with the story of Zacchaeus. Um, and whether or not we're familiar, I think uh, it's, it's vital uh, to look at. There's a reason that Luke places this at the last piece as G- Jesus enters Jerusalem in the last week of his life. Everything has been accelerating towards Jerusalem. Everyone, everything has been accelerating uh, towards the cross at this point. Now, Jesus' followers don't fully understand what's happening, um, but here they are following Jesus again and experiencing the incredible things that happen. Before we read the text, I want to back out a little bit and talk about relationship. Um, it's interesting to me that relationships in our lives are built amongst, uh, built upon uh, common experiences. When we meet a new person, um, the interactions that we have with them are the foundation of forming a new relationship with them. Depending on our season in life and their season in life, maybe a relationship of friendship sparks. And maybe it doesn't. Maybe we meet a person and we really just never talk to them again. You see, um, the, the person's our, our, our stage in life and that person's stage in life, and the interaction we have has a drastic impact on where this relationship will go. We see so often what is the surface level. A person having a bad day, we're going to have a bad interaction with when we first meet them. What's fascinating, though, is uh, the way this story is going to unfold today, that Jesus' interaction with a man named Zacchaeus had nothing to do with his reputation, who he was, or, or anything like that. You see, Jesus sees something very special in Zacchaeus from the moment he lays eyes on him. Jesus, I believe here, sees divine potential rather than the experience of the moment. So we're going to dig into that. As I think of potential, I think of um, my children. Two daughters, they're seven and five now, beautiful little girls. And, um, and I remember when, when my children were born, I remember just the excitement and the fear and everything caught up, right, in, in the birth of a child. Many of us here know that experience. And, um, and, and you, you realize the potential in these children early in life. You know, they're, they're brilliant and they're funny and you start to dream of what could be. And I, I remember at three or four years old, I forget how old Rachel was, when she finally had her first vision and dream of what she wanted to be when she grew up. Uh, she wanted to be a truck driver. Yeah, she wanted to be a truck driver. And, you know, I, I know that, like, rationally, you just roll with that. It's going to change, you know, 20 different times over the, chi- ti- over the course of their childhood. But to dad, to hear my beautiful little girl say, I want to be a truck driver, I just couldn't wait. I could not wait on the next phase. And so we quickly started re-spinning and shaping these. And so we've, we've moved from fire truck or, or from a, um, a truck driver to a fireman. So that's, I mean, you still get to drive a big truck. You know, that's, that's good. We've made progress. There's ambulance or there's police work. But she's got a passion for, for those sorts of things. And I love it. But you dream of their potential and you dream of their passion. And when it doesn't line up with what you're thinking, you start to quickly reshape conversations 
conversations and change those conversations. Well, Jesus, well, he sees in people not what he is, but divine potential. So let's read in, uh, in Luke chapter 19 today. We're going to read just a brief story about a man named Zacchaeus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, this town Jericho, Jesus again is, is traveling uh, from town to town. He's headed towards Jerusalem at this point. This town of Jericho, it's set in a basin, it's set in a valley where there was an oasis. So, amongst the deserts of the Israelite region, uh, there was this oasis. And so it was, it was a resort community. It was a wealthy community. It had great education systems. It had good religious leaders, right? This was um, a, 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 an incredible place to be. If you've heard of Jericho, you've maybe heard of the battle in the Old Testament where the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. That's as Israel was coming into the land, right? That was the battle that was fought there. You've heard of Jericho maybe in the story of the Good Samaritan as he's traveling, uh, a man is traveling from Jerusalem to to Jericho, and it was a treacherous road because wealthy people traveled that road between those places, and so there was many robbers and things like that. Jesus is entering that town, this town of Jericho. Uh, you, you walk over the last hill, and you see the greenery, right? You see this beautiful um, gym that is Jericho. And he's entering uh, Jericho, and uh, verse 2, a, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. This man named Zacchaeus was a tax collector. You might be familiar, but tax collectors were despised in their day. They were the lowest of lows. A tax collector like Zacchaeus was, um, he was a, an Israelite person who had signed his allegiances over to Rome, the ruling nation, uh, who, had, who had conquered the Israelite people at this point. And uh, his job was to take the taxes from his own people and give them to Rome. And his luxury was that he could charge anything he wanted. So if you owed $100 in taxes, he could and he would charge you $200. But, but he held the authority of Rome. He had betrayed his people and was robbing them to line his own pockets. He was despised. Throughout the Gospel of Luke and, and other places in Scripture, you'll, you'll read uh, this, um, this phrase, um, the sinners and tax collectors. And really it reads more like this, uh, the sinners and even the worst of the sinners, the tax collectors, right? So these are, I mean, just to get an idea, the, the, this guy was despised by his people, so there's this little man named Zacchaeus. He's actually a chief tax collector. He's over all the rest. And while he may have been rich, he's likely a very lonely man. Uh, he, he, he's despised by his people. And you would think wealth would be, bring friends and happiness, but in the lives of a tax collector, that was not the case. And so Zacchaeus this day, uh, he heard that Jesus was coming to town. And, and now we don't know the details of what he knew of Jesus or why he went out that day. Was he curious about this man, Jesus? Uh, was he interested in Jesus' teaching? Was he realizing how wrong his life truly was? We, we, we really don't know his thought process. But on this day, Zacchaeus went out, curious to see who Jesus was. And he comes upon the crowd that was constantly surrounding Jesus and, uh, and, and he's too small to see over. I mean, can you picture Zacchaeus, a man in his Armani suit, right? A uh, short little man just jumping at the back of the pack to try to see Jesus. And he, he, 
Yeah, I was going to say that in just a minute. Danny DeVito. Yeah, that's what I picture when I think of Zacchaeus. Uh, and and when, when he climbs a tree, I picture Danny DeVito trying to climb a tree, right? Yeah. So, um, so uh, Zacchaeus, here he is trying to get in to see Jesus, and he can't. He can't do it. Um, the crowd is too, too tight and too tall, and Zacchaeus is out of luck. So in verse 4, so he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once, and he welcomed him gladly. So Zacchaeus does what very few of us do. Um, Zacchaeus uh, took action when it came to pursuing Jesus. See, this is an interesting thing. I, I believe that like Zacchaeus, there's many people around us in our culture and community who are intrigued by Jesus, who are somewhat interested. Some of us here today are, are intrigued by Jesus and curious. And, and those of us here today are those that ran ahead and, 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 and took action. Zacchaeus was one of those men. He needed to see Jesus. And you can see there's something deep within him that desires this. I mean, the actions he takes when we picture Danny DeVito trying to climb a tree. When you think about, I mean, in his rational mind, he would know he would be laughed at. Surely there's a better way to accomplish this. But for whatever reason, Zacchaeus is intrigued. So Zacchaeus climbs this tree, and I can only imagine the moment when Jesus locks eyes with him. What's he thinking? He, he's fearful, right? I mean, he sees me. I wanted to see him, but now Jesus, he sees me. How's he going to respond? And so Jesus says, come down, Zacchaeus, because I'm headed to your house. Now, of all the people that Jesus could have chosen in this wealthy community, full of great religious leaders or powerful religious leaders at, at a minimum, um, full of, of rich and prestigious people, Jesus sees a tax collector, the worst of sinners, and he locks eyes and he says, Zacchaeus, you're my man. We're hanging out today. Now, you can imagine the crowd, and in fact, they do. In verse 7, all the people who saw this, they begin to mutter, uh, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Sometimes in these stories, people are asking, does Jesus not know who this person is? Like, does he just not get it? I mean, look at Zacchaeus. But no, Jesus, Jesus knows who Zacchaeus is. He calls him by name, and he says, Zacchaeus, today, it's you and me. We're hanging out. I'm curious of the character of Jesus as I read these stories. I'm, I'm curious of the motivations of Jesus. We talk a lot as a church and as individuals about um, our invitation into God's work, which is to the least of these. Now, poverty strikes on all sorts of levels. And we talked about this last night in our meeting, if you were there. Um, there, there is um, financial, uh, you know, wealth poverty, and, and that is tragic, and we see that all around us. But there's spiritual poverty, and there's emotional poverty, and there's relational poverty, and there's many different ways we can be impoverished in this life, Right? And Zacchaeus is one of those men. Though he has wealth, Jesus' heart is for the down and the out and the broken. And culturally, though Zacchaeus was wealthy, he was in the most need in the story. So Jesus locks eyes with this man, and he heads to his house in verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up, and he said to everyone, Lord, he stood up. This guy, did he climb down the tree? Did he fall out of the tree? I don't know. But for whatever reason, he's now from the tree having to stand up. 
And the crowd's mocking him and they're laughing at him. But for whatever reason, Zacchaeus has overcome his fears and the cultural norms. In the face of Jesus, he sees something special. And so Zacchaeus stands up and he said, Lord, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. So Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save what was lost. This man, Zacchaeus, found hope in the eyes of Jesus that day. Found hope in the invitation of Jesus. I'm intrigued by the fact that Jesus initiated the relationship. I think this is important to us as we sometimes find ourselves like Zacchaeus, feeling outcasts or too far from Jesus pushed back by the crowd and unable to approach Jesus. I think it's important to realize that Zacchaeus, or or that Jesus initiated this relationship with Zacchaeus. He called him out saying, hey, you're mine. Now, I don't think this uh, offer or invitation was unique to Zacchaeus. I don't think it's because specifically who he was or because he chose to, to climb a tree. But I think Jesus saw in Zacchaeus divine potential. A person that, though culturally was completely outcast, Jesus saw something special in this man, Zacchaeus, because Jesus came to seek and save what was lost. So we begin to explore today, where do we find ourselves in this story? Where does it apply to us as as people and as a church? Well, there's a number of characters in the story. There's a man named Zacchaeus, and some of us today find ourselves in his shoes, curious of Jesus and desperate for just a glimpse, uh, probably afraid to break our cultural norms and some of the friendships, the people that will laugh at us because we're exploring who this Jesus is. But like Zacchaeus, some of us today are ready, ready to take that step to run ahead, to catch that glimpse, to put, put a little bit on the line, a little bit of our pride on the line to say, I'm interested in this man, Jesus. You know, there's a crowd in this story, and not often would we talk about or acknowledge this crowd. Uh, the crowd, with best of intentions, was leaving out the least in their community. With the best of intentions, their own desires to see Jesus had turned their back on a man that needed him most, and he was left outside of that circle. Remember I said, this belong, believe, become is exactly what this story is. You know, because in this context, it was those that were able to that turned their back to the hurting. There was no place of belonging for a man like Zacchaeus. But Jesus, he demonstrates that Zacchaeus, you belong. I see your potential and you are invited in. We see Zacchaeus come to believe and come to become who he was created to be. Zacchaeus says, uh, I'm, I'm going to begin to care for the hurting. I'm going to begin to care for the poor. And, and anyone that I've wronged, I will, I will right those wrongs because he realizes the love and goodness of Jesus in this moment. As Jesus locks eyes and says, Zacchaeus, you belong. You are mine. Can you imagine that moment in a man like Zacchaeus's life? I mean, who gives away half of everything they have? Who does that? And, 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 and who commits to giving back and, and righting every wrong in their life? Only a person that has realized the beautiful grace of a good God that loves deeply. What else would motivate you to do something like that? 
And so we can, we can find ourselves in Zacchaeus' place, finally catching that glimpse of Jesus and saying, I want more. I, I want to help people around me, and I want to right the wrongs that I've done in life. That's a beautiful place to be. Uh, we pray that as a church, we are not that crowd, right? Huddled in on Jesus and everyone else left on the outside. Uh, praise God if we can break that trend, if we can truly find ways to engage and love hurting and broken people. And then there's the character of Jesus, who, as always, is the example for us in these stories, who not only creates space for, but lives life with the hurting and the broken amongst his community. He says, Zacchaeus, today I'm coming to your house. And so he lives life uh, with Zacchaeus. As a side note, and and maybe I, I shouldn't throw it in, but I'm fascinated by the way the gospel and the ministry of Jesus um, always involves accepting hospitality. It's interesting. It's good to show hospitality. It is good to invite people into our homes. But there is another level of love and relationship when we begin to accept the hospitality of the world around us. When, when we begin to live life in their places and on their terms, that's a beautiful thing. And it changes people's lives. Uh, sometimes it can be a lot easier to live life in the comfort zones of our churches and our own homes. And so we extend hospitality. But Jesus demonstrates something that's really fascinating to me. And that is accepting the hospitality and entering the home of the least of these. I think it's an important principle, especially for who we are as a people in a church. So Jesus enters Zacchaeus' um, home on that day. Here's my dream. Here's here's what just blows me away as I listen to the story of Jesus and a man named Zacchaeus. Jesus chose divine potential over the current circumstance in a man's life. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, regardless of who you are, regardless of what people think around you, I choose you, right? He sees the divine potential. Like we do with our children, no one, no one expects their child to grow up and spend long amounts of time in jail, and yet it happens, it's tragic. You know, in our children, with this fresh start, we see such potential. What if, what if we learned as adult people to look at the world around us and say there is potential in that person? Even the least, even the most broken and hurting, there is potential in that person. Sometimes we want to help people out of this sense of superiority. But, but Jesus demonstrates, wow, no, there is potential in the lives of even the least among us. And I like that. What would life look like if, if, we, uh, if we looked back upon our relationships, many of them severed and, and said, no, those people that harmed me, there's still potential in them. Those people that seem so far from Jesus know there's divine potential within their lives. What if, as a church, we looked at our community around us and said, we don't love and help just so that we can grow a church. No, we love and help because there is divine potential and goodness inherent in the lives of these people around us, and so we love unconditionally. That's what Jesus demonstrates for us today. You know, Jesus demonstrated this principle of divine potential um, in an extraordinary way. And as we continue the story of Luke, we'll read in, in detail about his sacrifice on a cross, giving of his life, and the hope that's found in that. 
But um, we, we have a uh, practice here as a, as a, as a church um, that's gone on since Jesus. He, in, he institutes it uh, just before his, uh, his death. It's called the Lord's Supper is what we often call it in church terms. But Jesus sat at a table with his followers. And he broke a piece of bread and he said, hey, this bread, it represents my body. that will be sacrificed for you. And he took the, um, the, the wine on the table and he said, this represents my blood. He said, I want you to take and break bread and drink of this juice to remember my sacrifice for you. We remember today, as, as we'll take communion together in a few moments, uh, we remember that Jesus saw in broken and hurting people when they didn't deserve it, divine potential, and he was willing to act on it. He, he was willing to give himself for that divine potential. 